World Building Summer Camp is here, and I've been working on it. I'm really excited, and it's doing things for my creativity and my world building that I really never expected. I never thought I would get so much out of it, and we're only a little bit in. As of the time of recording this, I've only done six of the first ten prompts, and already I have learned so much more about my world, my characters, and their cultures than I thought possible. So I'd like to talk to you about what I've learned in my first week of summer camp and why you might want to do random world building prompts when you're working on your story on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. I I really want to say thank you to everybody. You have been wonderful with this transition we're going through between doing daily shows to doing weekly shows. The weekly show numbers that I've been seeing coming in are great. And thank you all so, so, so very much for being patient with me through this. Do let me know what you think about the new format so I know whether or not to keep it into the future. Alrighty. Um, oh, also, I've actually been taking time to post new videos over on YouTube. You can find links to my YouTube channel down in the um, show notes for this, wherever they are in the app that you're listening to me on. And if you can't find those, just go to projectshadow.com. Everything's linked from there. But that's one of the big bonuses of doing this, is I'm having more time to write and do YouTube and some of the other things that y'all have asked me to do in the past. So yay. Alrighty. So I want to start with what is world building summer camp? So world anvil, which if you don't know who world anvil is, hello and welcome to the podcast. My name's Charlie. I'm a sci-fi writer because <laughs> I talk about it a lot. So you either somehow missed those episodes or, um, you're new to the show. They are putting on what they're calling summer camp. And it coincides with Camp NaNoWriMo this month of July. And you can join at any time. So after hearing this, if you think this would be something that you would like to take part in, just head over to worldanvil.com slash summer camp. And I will put a link to that in the show notes as well. So what is World Building Summer Camp? So they're going to put up 33 prompts over the month of July. So we're getting 10 prompts on the first. Well, we got 10 prompts on the first. We're getting another 10 on the 10th, another 10 on the 20th. And then on the 30th, they're giving us three more prompts. And there you go. You do the prompts, you submit them, um, and you, one, get the knowledge of, hey, you did all this really cool world building for your world. There are badges, which you all know how much I love a badge. So you get the copper badge for completing 10 of the prompts, the silver badge for completing 20, 
the gold badge for completing 30 and the diamond badge for completing all 33. Entries only have to be 300 words long to count for and for completion. So bear that in mind. You don't have to write a lot, though. My average article is coming in at around seven to 800 words that I'm doing for these right now. So, you know, I, I have a lot to say. And the one, one of the ones that I did, I had to really cut short because, yeah, it was going to be a novel of its own if I didn't. So I'll probably be going back and adding some to it after summer camp is over, which is why all my articles aren't called, are labeled as works in progress. Also, there are prizes. So if that's something that motivates you, there it is. But the biggest thing for me is how much I've learned through doing this process and how much it's actually changed the way I'm thinking about world building and the characters and cultures that I'm building. I am no stranger to world building. I have been doing world building projects since my very first writing project back when I was in high school in the late 80s. Actually, it was before that. It was when I was in middle school in the late 80s. And I love world building. And I kind of oscillate back and forth and back and forth between knowing exactly what it is that I want to do and having absolutely no idea what I want to do. And over the years, I have really pared back my world building to the point where I'm only trying to figure out what I need to have figured out before I get writing. And then after I finish a project, I go back through and anything that got mentioned, build that out and make sure that I understand it and like it and then incorporate that new information into the edits and revisions. That is not a bad way to work. It isn't, but it is fairly narrowing in the scope of what you are doing. And I didn't realize that until I started doing these prompts because they have really changed the way I'm looking at the characters, the setting and the world and have opened my eyes to questions that I would not have asked if I hadn't been prompted to. And because they've made me think about not only aspects of the world that I probably would have neglected, but just general things that I probably would never have put into the story at all, it's made me have to look at it, not from a world builder's point of view, but from the perspective of the people and the cultures within the setting and really ask myself, how would they see this? How would they view this? How would they do this? What is their answer to this? And that that's changed pretty much everything for me because I have had to dig into the fictitious histories of the, these worlds and give context to things that in my original outline were just offhand notes or just kind of, well, I need to know that they're related to this thing or that thing or the other thing and not really going into detail because I am so prone to world builders disease that if I let myself, I will just world build forever and never actually get any stories done. So yeah, I've limited myself way, way too much over the years. 
And this amount of liberty and freedom that I have started getting from doing these prompts has taught me that well, yes, I need to be focused in scope so that I don't allow myself to fall into the dreaded world builder's disease where all you do is world build and never actually get a story done. I need to have a set of out of the box questions that I go to. And maybe not the same questions every time, but some just completely crazy ideas to make me look at the story differently. Because one of the main things that I've gotten out of this process in total is I had pretty much decided who every culture was and did that horrible thing that I talked about in last week's podcast where you shouldn't have every member of an ethnic group be exactly the same. And especially some of the ones that I'm writing about because the elders in the Dragons of Night setting They are contiguous cultures that have been around for thousands of years, so there would be subcultures and countercultures and just different ethnicities that would have cropped up over the years within them. I didn't think about that. I I hadn't really considered that at all. Well, I take that back. I may have thought about it some, but I didn't do it. So the Rephaim were the Rephaim, the Dark Gentry were the Dark Gentry, the Sithirsa were the Sithirsa, the Giants were the Giants, the Fae were the Fae, and I wasn't really thinking about them in the levels of variety that I should have. And so being forced into considering these prompts made me have to be a lot more specific. Well, uh, this group think this, and that group think that, and helped me broaden my understanding of the world so that hopefully in writing the book, the characters and the setting will come much more alive than it would have previously. I combined the first two prompts into a single thing, which Janet said you could do in the explanation of the prompts in their announcement live stream. So the first two prompts are write a myth or legend related to a famous lost item. And the second one is describe a valuable historical or ancient artifact in your world. And so I used the same artifact for both of these prompts in that I wrote the legend of the lost lamp of Sariel. And I wrote an description of the the Lamp of Sariel for the other one. This one, more than anything, really changed the way I am looking at the story, the characters, and the the world in general. Because as much as I know that there are going to be magical artifacts, because there's magic in the world, because it's not a secondary world, because it takes place in our world, I hadn't really thought at all, and I feel stupid for this, of indigenous magical artifacts. When I first started brainstorming, I was like, well, maybe it's the Lost Sword Cortana or Excalibur. That would be really cool. Or, ooh, Arthur's Lost Scabbard. Or, yeah. (laughs) You know, the Spear of Lou, you know, the something like that. I started going through mythical things that we already have stories for. And 
I suddenly stopped and I was like, yeah, a lot of that's going to be incorporated because one of the things I'm really having fun doing in making Dragons of Night is taking the legendarium of kind of Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Britain, and mixing in some Germanic, Nordic, Greco-Roman, and Egyptian mythology together with a touch of Japanese and Sumerian to kind of concoct a world history and that a lot of the legends are true. And since a lot of those legends are true, most of the world building there has been as simple as, was this person a dragon, a fae, one of the Rephaim, were they a Jinwu? Who were they in my setting? Were they an actual spirit? And, you know, I'm figuring out how the story mapped over. If there were conflicting versions of a story, it went into my timeline in the way that I wanted it to, you know, my personal favorite or my own variation on it. But I hadn't really been thinking about original stories from these new cultures' points of view and perspective. And I really feel like an idiot for that. This comes to, down to that, you know, limiting what world building I'm actually working on so I don't get trapped in world building. I had spent so long just kind of sitting back and going, okay, so we're basically taking a lot of the legendariums of these cultures as histories. And since they're histories, figuring out how those actually fit into and affect our history and how people didn't notice that they were real or forgot that they were real, you know, knew at the time and later forgot and just went, I was a legend and all of that. It's, it's been a lot of work, but at the same time, the Fae would have their own stories. The dragons would have their own stories and, you know, at least I came up with one dragon legend, which was the legend of their origin which isn't really a dragon legend. It's a retelling of a version of the creation story from ancient Egypt. So it doesn't really count. I mean, it, of course it counts, but it's not an original story to the setting. This prompt caused me to sit back and realize, you know, I should actually create a new artifact, something unique to the setting and that has meaning for the characters and that would actually amount to something. And so I sat down and I created the Lamp of Sariel and I created the legend of the Lamp of Sariel and in so doing, learned a lot about the Rephaim and their culture and their history and things that I would never have learned if I hadn't done it because I had limited myself too much. And I, learning where that limit is between too much of a limitation and not enough limitations is something that I'm probably going to be working on for quite a while. I got really excited when I saw the next prompt because it's describe a, an important religious leader in your world and how that their character changed the status quo. I got really excited because I knew exactly who this was, because Mother Satyria is a main character in the book. And I had already come up with a lot of things about her in my head. And 
a lot more than I realized, because hers is the longest article that I've written so far, and I actually had to stop myself because I didn't want to spend the entire first week just writing about her. Like I said, I'm going to go back and fill stuff in after, you know, because summer camp and when I get some more time, because I'm also working on book one at the same time. But this prompt just made me really happy because it let me do what I wanted to do. And that was spend time really trying to figure her out as a character. And this is where I feel like I have to just repeat to everyone this episode, to my knowledge, is not sponsored by World Anvil. I know they do some auto... Well, no. I have to record the commercial. So, at least as of the recording of this, this podcast is not sponsored by World Anvil. So, I'm not just shilling for them. I actually paid them to use the service because I have a Sage tier account with them to get access to all the features and stuff that I wanted for the world. But... This is where their character sheets that they have really brought her to life. Because I had a certain image of her when I started writing her. And if you are a um, Inner Circle or World Builder member of my Patreon, you can actually read that first chapter about her are already up on the site. I've already posted it for you. Um, the zero draft of the book because it's getting really, re- it's, it's getting rewritten. Um, you'll see similarities in the version that actually goes forward, but yeah, it's getting rewritten. Um, but when I created her, I, I knew exactly who she was and I knew how I wanted to write her and how I wanted her to carry herself and how I wanted her to impact the story. I knew what had inspired her. I knew, I mean, she just, she's one of those glorious characters that popped into my head fully formed. And then I sat down to write this description of her for the prompt. How was she educated? What's her greatest embarrassment? Mm. Mm. See, I'm really bad at thinking about stuff like that for my characters. Not because I want all my characters to be perfect, but I often have a problem, especially for characters that are so unhuman as Mother Satyria is. Like, I hadn't even figured out what her birth name was, because that's not her birth name. That's the title that she's inherited. And once you take on the title, you abandon your birth name. And so I didn't even know her real name. I didn't know that she was, you know, Abigail Sybil Warwick. I hadn't thought that far ahead. And I should have. And I I would have probably gotten there in edits. But now, going into writing this book with the character sheet that I have done for her, thanks to this prompt and the wonderful templates over at World Anvil, which I really can't say enough about, I, I have such a good idea of who she is now. I know things about her childhood and her friends and her family that I didn't know when I got started, when I created her. And that are going to affect the way I write not only her character, but her interactions with others. And that is the most important thing about doing character work. We can write up complete biographies of our characters, but if they're not, if that information isn't going to actually affect them, or 
affect the way they interact in the world and in the story. It's just vanity. It's just taking time. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a place and a time for that. Trust me. I love my world building. And if I could, I would spend all my time doing nothing but that. Support me on Patreon so I can't. <laughs> That's a joke, but you can if you want to. Link in the show notes. Um, sorry. Getting weird in my old age. But yeah, be willing to ask the hard questions and develop characters that really matter to you. The next prompt just kicked me in the head. I mean, I'm just going to say that flat out. It kicked me in the head because write an, about an apex predator in your world. How does it hunt and survive? So, yeah, I thought about this for quite some time, and I had lists of creatures that I knew existed in this setting. And because I was familiar with them from mythology or from notes that I had taken about them previously for earlier projects in the setting, I pretty much thought that I knew what I was going to do. And so I picked the Wampus Cat to write up for this. And... Yeah. The amount of stories that are out there about the Wampus Cat are contradictory. They tell very different stories. They describe a very different animal. They don't jive in any way, shape, or form with each other. And so, if I were going to rely on them, I wouldn't know what I was writing. I wouldn't know what I was doing. I wouldn't know anything about this creature, whether or not it appeared in the story. And I have to say, it was a really hard decision to do this, and I picked it because it's an actual predator that's lurking in the woods where the characters are living, so it's actually something that could appear in the story. I really wanted to do a write-up on the pard, because I know for a fact there will be one in the story, so I will take some time and do that at some point in the not-too-distant future. But in actually sitting down and having to write the species out, again, this is kind of my constant refrain for this episode, it made me consider things about them that I hadn't before. Exactly how big are they? How do they reproduce? What is their diet? Do they have any symbiotic relationships with any other animals? Which I discovered that the wampus in my setting does, and I was rather surprised by that. And having to weed through the legendarium on this creature and pick and choose which aspects of it I wanted to be true and what I didn't want to be true. It helped me figure out what the care, what, 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 what the creature is. I think we don't do that enough when we're relying on mythic critters. I can't tell you how many times I have read a book that just says we have unicorns here or we have dragons And this just assumes that I'm going to carry in everything that I know from previous work. But that's still not helpful. Even if we're using a common creature like a dragon or a unicorn or what have you, we need to put the work in to make sure that, one, we're making them our own, but also figuring out how they're going to be used in the world and in the setting that makes them stand out and gives them a reason to actually be there. You see, if you tell me you have a dragon in your book, 
one, I'm going to get excited because I love dragons and I will read a book just because it's got a dragon on the cover of it. I've done that. I don't know how many times I, I, I've got a thing. I love me a dragon, put a dragon on your cover. I'm there. But having said that, if you tell me that your, your character, your book has a dragon in it. Okay. I'm excited. I need to know more. What kind of dragons are these? You see, I, I read a lot of stories about dragons, myths, legends from all around the world, as well as fantasy books from all around the world. Not to mention the Pern books, which have science-y dragons in it. What are your dragons? See, I need to know, and it's not just because inquiring minds need to know or anything like that. Just because you're using something that you think is common, like a dragon, well, the dragons in Pern have the ability to basically go into hyperspace. They can do this thing where they go between and they can kind of quick jump from place to place by doing it. Can your dragons do that? Well, you don't have to specifically tell me that they can't, but that is one of the things that I'm going to be thinking of in the back of my head. I'm also going to be thinking about the telepathic ties that the dragon riders have with their dragons in the dragon riders of Pern books, because they were foundational in my growing up, and they're books that I absolutely love. Don't take for granted that the headcanon that you have for a common magical critter is the one that is shared by your readers. I should have known that, but for some reason, I didn't. So the last two prompts that I've finished are describe a condition in your world caused by a drug or a medicine. Now, can you imagine me even thinking about that when I was writing? I didn't. I have now, and oh, it helped out so much. And describe an important celestial body or constellation in your world. Hadn't really thought about that either. And this goes down to the basic problem of assumptions. I assumed that people would have the same constellations. My, my book takes place on Earth. And I don't know why I had that assumption. I know the Chinese have their own constellations. I know the Egyptians had their own constellations. The Sumerians had their own constellations. The Greeks had their own constellations. Like, this is something that has changed from culture to culture in historical times. So why would my people be any different? Like when I first saw this prompt, I freaked out because how am I going to do that? This takes place on earth. Everybody knows what the stars look like. Everybody knows the constellations. Well, yes. And I kind of half cheated in that I repurposed a constellation because when you start studying constellations, what you learn is a lot of people saw the same patches of sky as a constellation, but to find them very differently. So I chose one and wrote my own and that's fine. That's perfectly all right. And it's perfectly valid for me to have done that. But I would have just presumed that my characters look up in the sky and see Orion. I just would have assumed that it wouldn't have been a question to me that they would have looked up and saw and seen Orion and the big dipper and what have you. But even there, is it the Big Dipper or is it Ursa Major? Which is it? See, even in our understanding of the constellations, they differ. And more, more than anything else, 
What this first week of summer camp has taught me is that I, even at my ripe old age of 43, am still making basic assumptions that the headcanon that I walk around the world with is the same one that my readers have and that my characters have. And in some cases, that's true. Like, the the, the true blue Rekka human characters in my book, well, they're kind of inspired by me and my high school friends and the book's set in the 90s, so that's perfectly okay. But it, it's inspired by all of that. So it goes into everything that I'm working on, right? So I'm allowed to have them share my experiences and my understandings, but a thousand-year-old dragon or a 360-year-old Rafaim would not have the same references that I do. They wouldn't have the same understanding of the world that I do, and their culture would not look at the stars the same way mine does. And that should have been obvious. It should have been obvious. But it wasn't. And that just devastates me. It does. That I didn't even think to do anything about that until now. So that is kind of the moral of the story. This year, I've been opened. I've seen this major flaw in my world building that has kept me from going into the depths that it really should have gone into. So let me know if you're doing summer camp. I would love to know. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, down in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. You can also hit me up on Twitter and Instagram. I am CE Dorset on both. You can find links to everything that I do in the show notes and at projectshadow.com. If you get a buck and want to help me out, you'll find a link to both my Patreon and my coffee account in the show notes. They're also on the website. Thank you to everybody who does that. You mean the world to me. If you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, don't worry about it. Just share something that I'm doing with somebody that you think that I that, that you think would like it. That really does help out more than you know. And yeah, I guess that's it. I'm really excited about this. I don't know if I'm going to keep going through the prompts next week for summer camp. It depends on whether or not they are as breaking in my head as these were. I mean, they're simple prompts, but they made me see my process in a whole new light. I hope you're having a great Camp Nano if you're doing Camp Nano. I hope you're having a great world building summer camp if you're doing that. Or if you're just writing or just goofing off and having fun or just working hard, whatever it is. I hope everything's going well for you. So until next time, stay well, stay safe, and don't forget to have the fun. Bye.